where to start. All right, so let's go to Psalms chapter 100, please. Did you know Psalms is the largest book in the Bible? Biggest book in the Bible. Psalms chapter 100. And today we're talking about worship. Worship, worship. And I say I don't even know where to start because it's one of the, it's one of my life messages, you know, and I realized I, I don't think I've taught on worship in a very long time, and, uh, and we're so passionate about it. I mean, I think it's something you can feel. You know, here's the, here's the question. Why is it that every camp, every retreat, uh, VBS, everything, when we ask people, what is the thing that over everything, the most thing that, that impacted you, what you loved the most, what did you enjoy the most, guess what the answer is always? Worship. Worship. Like, it, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's not, um, we're not talking about a, a big concert that is very elaborate with professional musicians and lighting and fog machines. We're not even talking about that. We're talking about, you know, especially in retreats, uh, worship is very simple. I remember the first retreat we had uh, with, uh, with youth and uh, young adults, uh, it was probably like four or five years ago, and we went up. Uh, to Pine Top, and we got in a in a cabin, and and when time came for service, you know, it was just me with the acoustic guitar, no sound. We were all crammed up in this living room, and uh, there was not even room to walk around. And I remember just like having the most powerful moments and sessions, just just singing and doing worship with them. And that's it, nothing else. And when you ask everybody, you know, the teachings were great, the games were great, the food was great. But what was the most impactful thing, the most impactful time happened during, what do you think? Worship. Worship time. And so for, for today and the next week, I'm going to be talking about this subject of worship because it's one of the, 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 the most important things in our church, you know. We, we value the Word of God. We need the Word of God to renew our mind. We need, that's what we need for transformation, right? But... You've heard us say that there's two ways to transformation. The Bible tells us number one is by the renewing of our mind, which is changing the way we think, right, and being the, washed with the Word of God. And the second one is by um, gazing upon God. The more I behold, the more I'm transformed. And that's in First uh, Corinthians, right? The more I behold the more I'm being transformed. And so transformation happens, yes, through the, the, the renewing of our minds, the changing of our thoughts, but also by the beholding. And the beholding is a form of worship that happens in response to God's presence. And so we've all felt it and we've all experienced it, but I'm going to be teaching today and next week on the mechanics of it. What is happening? What is this thing that we all feel? What is this thing, you know, uh, many, many times I think people think like, oh, you know, if, if, if there isn't perfect music or perfect lighting or perfect, like, then it's all messed up, you know, and that's such a lie. And that's the reason why a lot of, um, we could say a lot of different environments or cultures uh, have such stress on being perfect on stage and looking perfect on stage, but it has very little to do with that. It has everything to do with the heart of the worshipers, and the heart of the worshipers is everybody in the room. Amen? And so um, if I sound a little bit like I'm jumping around, please forgive me and try to do your best to write down what God is 
revealing to you. It's, it's such a large, broad subject, and that is very close to my heart, that it's hard to not, you know, want to just say everything today at once. So I'm going to try to keep it, you know, simple but clear today. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that you would speak through me and that you would reveal the things that need to be revealed to each one of us, that you would... Uh, Give us revelation today, God, that you would give us understanding about the importance of worship and what, what does it mean, that we would all be transformed to a point where our worship goes to a new level, a new place today, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start here in, in Psalms 100, verse 4, and it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, so the first form of worship is thankfulness. Say with me, thankfulness, okay, or gratitude, right? And, and why do we thank God? Why are we grateful? We thank God and we're grateful for what he has done, right? That's very simple, what he has done, what he has given to us. So the number one, you know, how we enter his gates, right here it says, you know, we enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. So if I want to be in, if I want to enter into the presence of God, how do I enter in? With what? Thanksgiving is the key, right? That's why we start our services with thanksgiving, with praise and worship. Because we're coming into his house, but you know it's not a physical building, but a spiritual place. And we're entering into his presence. We're going into the throne room of grace boldly before the throne, right? Because we have access to come boldly before the throne of God. And we do that. How do we do that spiritually? With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the key to entering God's presence. Consequently, entitlement is the key to staying out of God's presence. Ungratefulness is the key to staying out of God's presence. Complaining is the key to staying out of God's presence. Comparing and looking at what you don't have is the key to staying out of God's presence. So we come into his presence with thanksgiving, right? And why do we thank him? We thank him for what he has done what he has given to us, how he has blessed us. And that's the simplest, most basic form of worship is thanksgiving. It comes from the word uh, yada or toda, you know, which means to, to be thankful to God. And it's, it's one of many words used in the Bible for praise and worship. Then the second level, if we, we're, well, actually, hold on, right there in verse 4 it says, Give thanks to him and praise his name. Okay, say with me, praise his name. Okay, so praise comes for who he is. We praise God for who he is. Who is he? He's the God Almighty. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory in defeated places. He's Jesus, our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Who is he? He's our comforter. He's the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our teacher, our healer. Who is he? So we praise him, we praise his name. And remember, his name is his character, who he is. His name tells us not just what his name tag shows, but it shows us 
who he is and what he wants to do for us. So I encourage you to study the names of God. You'll find out what God's will for you is. And nowhere in there is God the God of poverty. Because he doesn't want to be poverty to you. He wants to be a good provider. So we praise his name. We praise him for who he is. So number one, we thank him for what he has done. We praise him for who he is. Are you with me? Why do we praise God? For who he is. Just himself alone, who he is, deserves all the praise and all the worship. Just who he is. I mean, how many other people have you praised in your life for who they are? They've done nothing for you. Yet you admire them. You praise them. They're so strong. They're so great looking. They dress so nicely. You know, they speak so great, such great actors, such great singers. You praise people for who they are. That's why we praise God for who he is. He's everything that we will ever need. That's him. Every answer is always in him. He's our savior, our redeemer. Everything that's ever needed to be done for us, he's already done. Everything we're ever going to need to run our race, he's already deposited inside of us. Right? Because he is everything. He's all sufficient. So we thank him for what he has done. Right? That's how we enter into his presence. We praise him for who he is. He's everything we'll ever need. Remember, every situation that you encounter that you, that you need something new, he is that. He is the answer. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. He's the answer for everything. So we praise him for who he is. You know, like all these religions have uh, different gods, right? And s- some of them have way too many gods. Like they probably have an, a god app. Let's see, what do we need today? We need better weather. There's got to be a god for that. We have one god and he's everything for everything. And he actually is alive. And he actually listens to our prayers. And he answers. Amen. So we praise him for who he is. Psalms 150, verse 2. Let's just go ahead. Psalms 150, verse 2 says, Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Right? So we thank him for what he has done. And that gets us into the presence of God. I'm telling you, start feeling anxiety. Start feeling stress. That's why when you're in worship, you feel so much peace. Because you start entering into thanksgiving. It also stirs up our faith. See, you might think, what is this message going to do for me? See, everything we do in church is about you. (laughs) Everything we do in church is for us. Think about it. Like the message is for you. For you to renew your mind, for you to be set free, right? The ministry gifts are all for you, for you to be healed, for you to be, you know, in peace, for you to be in joy, for you to know the word of God. What is he saying? What is he speaking for the guidance for your life, for your family? It's all about you. It's it's all for you. Children's church is for the kids, right? Like every ministry we have is for people. The coffee shop is for you to not fall asleep during the teaching, 
right? Hang out with people. Like it's all for us. Except the one block of about 30 to 40 minutes at the very beginning of the service where we what? Where we worship. See, it's the only thing that is not about you, yet somehow it ends up blessing you. Because you can never outgive God. And yet, sometimes, we make it about us. It's the only time that it's about God. And it's the only time when we go, oh, well, worship's going for 40 minutes. We can make it to the last five. I'm not looking at anybody specifically. <laughs> right? It's the buffer time. Let the singers get their singing out. Those artsy people, you do not understand, my friend. <laughs> it's the one part of the service that is not about us, but yet it blesses us more than any other time. And the third level is worship. Okay, so first we thank him, thankfulness, we enter into his gates, we thank him for what he has done. Second, we praise him for who he is. And number three, we worship him, and worship is the place where we arrive to, where we now are in awe of his presence. Worship is a response to his presence, okay? So you come through the gate with thanksgiving, you praise him for who he is, but then you experience the presence of God, and you experience when you're in worship, you experience his presence, right? You've tasted and you've seen. You go, what is this peace I feel? What is this stress that's lifting up? What is this thing going on in the room? What is this, right? And now you get to admire. You're in awe. You stand in awe. It's a response to his presence. It's a response to him moving in the room. It's a response to his peace, his joy. Now, you're admiring. And it's right there where transformation starts happening. As you behold his glory. See? It's like we, we have to leave all of this um, carnal, fleshy feelings for, for this time. And enter into his presence. That's why we use those words. What does it mean to enter into his presence? Well, you start thanking him because all the way to church you were just complaining. And then you realize who he is. So you start praising his name, right? You start shouting out. You start blessing him. God, you're so great, so powerful. So That's why we have so many songs. See, David wrote 150 here. And there's actually probably more than that. But, um, but 150 psalms. If you've never read through the Psalms, you should read this stuff. Like, like the words we have nowadays don't compare with some of the stuff going on in here, you know. But yet that's why we have so many songs, because we have so many different ways to, to praise him, to talk about him, to sing about him, about how great he is, about the things he's done for us. So there's songs that are about gratefulness. There's songs about what he has done for us. There's songs about, you know, his presence and his glory, right? And it's in, in those songs like, you know, when we get to that place where we now, we're in awe of him. We're like, oh, okay, I'm in that place. I know, I see, I feel. 
I'm no longer concerned with the world around me, with the person around me. And the sad thing is so many people don't make it past the person around them. They can't even raise their hands because look at that guy. He looks so silly. Look at that one. Man, he's so loud. Look at that one. He's completely out of tune. He should not be singing. (laughs) And we get so distracted from this. And so we thank him. We praise him. We worship him. That's the response to his presence. See, it's like the first, the first two are more of knowledge. They have to do with knowledge. Thankfulness has to do with, you know, remembering all the things, the testimonies, the things he's done, where he's brought us from. Then praise him has to do also with our knowledge of him, of who he is, his promises, what he's capable of, you know, how great and mighty he is. But the third one, it, it can, the worship can only be a response to an experience that is happening in that moment. It's not based on knowledge. It's not based on something from the past. Worship, the response to his presence has to be about what's going on in that moment in the room because you've entered before the throne room and you're before God and you're just like, oh, wow. Whew, wow. And maybe you've made it through level one of thankfulness. Maybe you've made it to level two of just praising him for who he is. And maybe only a few have made it to worship, to have that experience, to have that encounter with God, to to feel his presence and to say, wow, you're in this room. You're the God who created the universe. You're the God who created me, who knew me before I was even born, who knit me together fearfully and wonderfully in my mother's womb. You're the God of the Beginning and the end, you have seen it all, and you start realizing you're in the presence of that God. See, that is why some sing louder than others, some are more expressive than others. I mean, I'm not saying that it's always that way, but but that should be the reason and the motivation. That my worship has so much passion for Him that it's no longer enough to just stand still. I mean, I'd like to see you at your favorite team, final football game, basketball game, just standing there. Good shot. We won. Like, for something so temporary and earthly and you know i'm not saying don't be passionate about that but i'm saying if you're going to be passionate about passionate about something so earthly and temporary you need to you need to get a revelation of your salvation you need to get a revelation of eternity because it will transform your worship i mean i don't think you cared what you looked like and sounded like when you jumped off your seat and celebrated when your team won we were at this uh awesome basketball game um, uh, from the Suns. They were playing the Knicks. And we were in, uh, we, we were not even close. We were like way up, you know, and it, it was probably one of the best games I've seen because we were, it was like in the last 15 seconds of the game, we were down by two. So best option, you know, 
Like, best case, maybe, with a regular shot, it would have been just to tie the game, but impossible, right? Seven seconds left on the game, you know? I think it was, was it Johnson? Not even the good players were playing, you know? I mean, oh, they're all good. Yeah. Anyways, throws the ball, like, from behind the, 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 the three-point line, and the, and the board turns red as the ball's in the air. And, and you could have felt, like, a minute before, you felt the hopelessness in the room. Right, you really felt it. Like it was like a down spirit. Like, hmm, I guess we're gonna go home with long faces, you know. And um, and this guy shoots the ball, turns red while the ball is in the air, and it goes in. Three points. We win by one. The whole place goes. Whoa! You could also feel that. It was amazing. It was exciting. We jumped off our seats. We were screaming. My daughters, everybody, you know, like, wow, this is amazing. We couldn't get over it. Like, that's, that's how we need, we need a revelation so that we can celebrate our spiritual victories the same way. Like, what just happened in the highest court of the United States. Protecting the lives of the unborn babies, Amen. the innocent, the ones that can't stand for themselves, you know. There's a 50-year death decree on their lives, and that's been lifted today. And that's amazing, you know. But every time we gather together, we have the opportunity to celebrate, to shout for joy. If you've never read the Psalms, you should read the Psalms and understand, like, what is happening you know, like how David describes shouting for joy and, and dancing. And, and there's so much, so much I could show you in Scripture, and, we'll, and we will get to those uh, Scriptures also next week. But we need a revelation of our salvation that keeps us in thankfulness so that we don't leave the presence of the Lord when we, you know, just at any moment. You know, a lot of people, and, and I'll, I'll have to say this, um, No, go to Psalm 84, verse 10 first. <laughs> Psalm chapter 84, verse 10. It says, A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. You know why David could say this and it was not an exaggeration? Because David was in the presence of God. David knew what it was like to be in the house of God, to be in his presence, to feel him, to hear him, to be with him. So when he wrote this, he was not exaggerating. He's like, your presence, God, is so good that I would rather be in it one day than live in a beautiful house for a thousand years. There's nothing like being in the presence of God. That's why we create opportunities for you to have encounters with God. That's why we create opportunities where you can worship God with no time limits, right? That's why we love and value the presence of God because without the presence of God, we just have religion. Without the presence of God, it's just traditions and legalism. Is there, there's nothing else. It's, it's just an empty, you know, 
place with a bunch of rules and, and people in there just trying to follow him as best as possible. The presence of God changes everything. And we, that's why we want to be a church that values and hosts the presence of God very well. See, then it says in, um, in uh, we're going to go to Matthew 26 real quick. Holy Spirit's revealing and teaching some things to you today. Hmm. Some of you, I'm afraid, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of that, that after you catch this revelation, man, it's, it's going to be crazier than a stadium on the best game day in this place every time we get together. I'm scared we're going to have a hard time stopping it. I'm scared your life is going to be so transformed by taking your worship to a new level that you might think the word's not important anymore. I'm so scared. <laughs> Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume, perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, this he replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And here we are. Did you get that? Here we are today discussing this woman's extravagant act of worship to our Savior Jesus. Extravagant worship does not go unnoticed by God. It's a big deal because we serve an invisible God. So it takes faith to worship just like it takes faith to pray. It takes humility to pray and it takes humility to also worship because worship is a sign of surrender saying, I need you. I recognize you above all things, who you are, that every good thing has come from you. And it brings me to his presence when one more time I experience his presence as something so powerful and mighty that it keeps me addicted and coming back for more. Because only he gives the living water. You know, and uh, from the very beginning, like, I don't have time to, to read this, but um, in the Old Testament, you see the worship came mostly and first in the form of animal sacrifices. That's how they came to worship. When they came to worship, they brought something, right? And it was an animal sacrifice, and they brought that before the Lord, and that was their worship. That was their, 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 uh, how they presented worship to God. Right? And so worship is not about something that we do, as in singing or clapping or playing instruments. Worship is something that we bring. Worship isn't something that we do. 
is something that we bring. And the expression of what we bring leads us to singing. And when singing isn't enough because he must have a greater offering from me, then I must raise my hands. And when that's not enough, I must raise him up higher and clap. And when I realize that's still not enough, you know, that's the reason I start jumping and dancing, you know, and turning around. And why? Because I can't contain it. It's back to the stadium example, you know. Like, if you tried to contain all of that inside of you, you would probably explode. Like, we won't, you know. Like, because you're, you're feeling connected to what's going on. And the problem is the enemy has stolen people's worship by distracting them. By saying, oh, this is just emotionalism, you know. You're too strong, you're too tough, you're too handsome to do that kind of stuff. Don't mess up your hair. It took you so long to do it. What are people going to say? You know, did you wear deodorant? No, I would keep those hands down. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Romans 12, chapter 1. Are you following me? Romans 12, chapter 1 says... And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give or to present your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, Old Testament, we bring animals. Don't bring animals. We don't, we don't do that anymore, okay? So what do we present to the Lord now? As ourselves. I mean, can you imagine showing up for your worship sacrifice late? I don't think they'd let you. They'd be like, no, sorry. You're going to stay with your sin for another week because, yeah, your turn passed. <laughs> right? We don't bring animal sacrifices anymore. What do we present? We present us. We present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So in other words, we don't have to kill ourselves, right? Certainly don't have to kill our children. We don't have to kill our animals, right? We present ourselves before God and say, here I am. I am your living sacrifice. And I'm here to thank you for all you've done. I'm here to praise you for who you are. And I can't wait to respond to your presence today. Hmm. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. So I ask you, did you prepare worship before you came this morning? Or did you just show up late and like, oh, what's that new song? What is that? It's so weird. Or did you bring something to God? Like, who? I can't wait. I can't wait to see how we're going to sing, what song, what things we're going to say to you today and worship you and thank you. Whew, let's see how high I can raise my hands today. Let's see how loud I can sing. Let's see how much I can jump. I mean, some of you are in pretty good shape. You can jump for a long time, right? Some of you just need to push the limits. Well, see, it doesn't matter. Our worship is going to look different. The point is, is are you bringing the best worship offering 
that you possibly can to God today. And I know that, that people will get into like, well, that's not my personality. Really? Let me see you at a game with your favorite team. Personality tends to change in those circumstances, huh? Doesn't it? You know why? Because there's passion. And Psalm, Psalm says, return to me the joy of my salvation. A lot of people have lost the joy of their salvation. And they've forgotten how joyful it was. And I'll just throw out an example of somebody who, who hasn't forgotten about the joy of their salvation. My friend Jason right here. I'm not saying you have. I'm just saying that's, that's a good example that I think we can all notice, right? But what happens when I forget the joy of my salvation? I walk into entitlement and I'm already outside the gates of his presence, right? Well, it was so many years ago that he saved me. I mean, what has he done in the last week? <laughs> Present yourself, bring him worship. It's something we bring, not something that we do. Because it starts in the heart, right? It's a, it's a heart thing. It's a heart issue. So it starts in our heart. You know, and so for, for somebody, you know, just singing might be the most radical thing they've ever done. And but some of you have been singing the same tune, the same volume for 15 years, and it's time to... I love it when it makes people uncomfortable because it, make, it means that it means that you're learning something new, that you're being challenged by something, and that's an opportunity for change. It's an opportunity for transformation. It's an opportunity for an upgrade. Man, God is so good. Um, I'm going to finish with this, and there's so much more um, that we'll have for next week. But I'm going to finish with this. Um, the because I feel like there's there's a question. In the minds of a lot of people, when we talk about the presence of God, you know, I was uh, I was in the faith movement for a long time, and, and one of the things that that was said a lot is that, well, why do we have to enter into the presence of God if He's already with us, right? He never left me. What what are we doing here? He's already here, and you're right, He's already here. He is in us, right? He's in us, and he never leaves us, right? So some people take that for granted and think like, well, if he's already with us, then why, why do I have to, you know, worship? But it has something to do with this. He's, he's in you, but the reason he's in you is to live through you, okay? And so we need to become good hosts of the presence of God. If you think of a good host and a bad host, okay? A good host, right, receives you in their home with food, warm food, ready to go, you know, ready for you ready to sit down with you. A bad host, you know, is like, oh, you're here. Come on in. Sit down. I'll see you later. Oh, we'll get some food. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, like, why don't you go to McDonald's and come back? It's like, there's a big difference between a good host and a bad host, right? A bad host 
lets the person in, and they could sit in their living room, and if if a bad host, I mean, if you're a bad host, you wouldn't even be spending time with the person in your living room. Right? You'd be like up there running chores, be like, hey, I'll be back later, you know, see you when I come back. Like, what kind of host would that be? I mean, if you came to my house and then I just went upstairs to work, I mean, that's not a very good host, right? And the thing is that that's the difference between God living in us and God living through us. Okay? That he's all he's in us. But we determine with our attention, our conscious attention, we determine if he's living through us, if we're interacting with him, or if he's just sitting in there quietly without me paying attention to the one that's moved inside of me to live in me for the rest of my life. And I'll give you an example because this will explain what we all feel when we get together in worship and why sometimes it's stronger and sometimes it's weaker, okay? Whatever you think of the most, whatever you're meditating and dwelling, right, whatever you're conscious about more will come out of you, just like a bad attitude, right? Someone that has a bad attitude, like they don't have to say a word, you're next to them and you feel it, true or not, right? True. So that, you're feeling something that's going on inside of here. Being a good host of the presence of God is when you become most conscious about him. Meditating on his greatness, on his goodness, on his power, on his answers for any problem that you have. You don't allow anything else to become bigger but him. And when you're consciously meditating and thinking about him, what do you think is going to come out of you? him. It's going to be felt the presence of God. And that's why we feel the presence of God. So we could explain to all those super logical people that think like, oh, he's always with us. We don't need to sing. We don't need to do any of that stuff. Like, no, you understand. When we're singing praises and worship and we're singing about his name and his goodness, what do you think we're thinking about so what do you think is coming out of us and living through us and touching the room and changing lives and healing bodies and relieving stress and anxiety and people feeling, oh my gosh, this feels so good right here. Why is it? Because we're being good hosts of the presence of God and he's not just living in us, but now in that moment he's starting to move through each one of us, not the one person up here, through all of us because he indeed lives inside all of us. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes where you're at. And um, and just for a moment, start just being thankful to God. Just, just start letting thankfulness bubble up from your heart. For all he's done, for where he's brought you from. Maybe it's your salvation and the joy of your salvation that you say, God, return to me that, that joy of my salvation. I don't ever want to take it for granted.
And then just start meditating on who he is. How great he is. How mighty, how powerful, how loving he is. you can do, you can stand, you can sit, you can come to the altar, you can get on your knees, whatever you, however you want to worship God right now. And it's going to be something very simple. I'm going to start singing and you can just sing that also. There's no words for this or anything, so you can't even look them up. Because God, you're so
inside of us. The more of us that are hosting his presence well, the more of us that are responding to that, the more of that power we feel. So it's not really the number of people, but the number of people that respond, the number of people that worship, the number of people that enter into his gates with thanksgiving and praise him for who he is, but then start responding to his presence. That's what makes the difference. That's why there's miracles in the place. That's why there's lives being transformed just in the presence of God. So let's sing it one more time. God, you're so
time don't let anything distract you just say God you're so good God you're so feel the presence of God here, right? Now you understand what's happening, see? Now you see how worship is simple. It's one song, we sang it about a hundred times, but our heart is engaged with him, right? And many of you are breaking, and just right now, many of you broke through if we could call it your level of worship or how vulnerable it used to feel or how conscious you were of what you looked like and sounded like and you broke through that. And the thing is, you probably feel more free than you've ever felt before. Yeah. Right? See, worship is the one thing that it's all about him and yet we're still so impacted and blessed. Amen? God is so good. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. Prayer team, come up front. And um, if anybody needs prayer for anything else today, just come up front. And uh, whew. and if you need to stay here because you're in the presence of God and God is speaking to you or doing something, feel free to stay in through next service. It doesn't matter. Same God, same presence. Amen. James, would you close this up, please? <laughs>